This is Rising Up with Sonali, and I'm your host, Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. For years now, indigenous leaders have organized resistance to the Line 3 pipeline that cuts through northern Minnesota. The pipeline, run by a Canadian oil company, Enbridge, would carry 700 thousand barrels per day of dirty tar sands oil from Canada. Indigenous leaders say the project violates treaty rights. And to that end, they've organized a major gathering along the pipeline route from June 5th through 8th, saying that they have, quote, put out a call for people in all parts of the country to converge on Minnesota and engage in direct resistance. Leaders like my guest are calling on the Biden administration to step in and cancel the Line 3 pipeline. Nancy Bolio is co-founder of RISE, which stands for Resilient Indigenous Sisters Engaging Coalition. She's also the Northern Minnesota organizer for 350.org. Welcome to the program, Nancy. Well, thanks for having me. And I'm calling in here from um, the beautiful town of Bemidji, Minnesota, and just I um, want people to know I am a uh, citizen of the Leech Lake Reservation. So this pipeline is, uh, you know, um, threatening our way of life here um, as Indigenous people. So I'm more than happy to be, you know, here and, and, and tell the world why we are, you know, having this treaty people gathering from June 8th through the 5th. So how, ex- how, how does this pipeline or how would it violate uh, treaty uh, agreements? Well, you know, um, we never at any time in any of our treaties uh, surrendered our inherent right to hunt, fish, travel, and, and gather. And part of, you know, our cultural uh, way of life is it's is dependent upon water, our monomen, um, the wild rice is also dependent on clean water. So line three threatens the existence of our, our, our way of you know, being here and um, we've been here since uh, in, more, in time immemorial. And um, I just wanted to say that, you know, um, we're going to continue to be here and we need the wild rice and we need clean water. We depend on fish and uh, our people used to migrate around the seasons and um, we are people of the river. So um, clean water is um, really, really important to not just us, but to our, our treaty partners as well. People like yourself. So the treaty people gathering uh, is taking place June 5th through 8th. And I understand that by the term treaty people, you include all Americans, uh, indigenous and non-indigenous, because as your website says, we're all responsible for preserving and, and respecting these treaties. That is correct. You know, um, there's a misconception out there that we were giving um, the the right to hunt, fish, travel and gather. But yet is we gave the the Europeans the right to, you know, do all those things to hunt, fish, travel, and gather. And so um, we, we are out here through our work with Rise Coalition and our work at Minnesota 350, educating people that our ancestors signed those with your ancestors. And um, treaties are very much alive today as the day they were signed. And so we feel because of the environmental and racial injustice, the current um, government and that's local, state and federal have put us in, um, you know, in a way where it's so dispiriting for us because we have no voice in any matter. So what we're doing is we are educating here, especially in Minnesota, 
you know, all those elected officials from local state to federal, that everybody has a responsibility to, to the treaties and they were intended for us to live in peace as good neighbors and to leave the earth in a better way than we found it. So as indigenous people, we have the inherent responsibility to, um, you know, protect the water and all that is sacred. And as um, settlers, uh, the people that signed those treaties with our ancestors, they have an obligation to uphold those treaties. So um, we are out here, you know, calling on all of our, you know, uh, citizens of the United States, because, you know, regardless of what political party you belong to, what church you go to, or how you self-identify, um, treaties uh, are all of our responsibility and they are a nonpartisan issue as well. So we're trying to work across all levels of government, both parties, all parties to say treaties do matter. So how does the movement around Line 3 build on the movements around the Keystone XL pipeline, the Dakota Access pipeline, and the gathering in Standing Rock? Do you see this effort and this coming gathering in early June as a continuation of those struggles? I do, you know, and like I mentioned before, our words continue to fall on deaf ears. So our situation in Line three years no different from what we saw in standing rock or with the keystone xl they're the, the same exact thing just different tribes and we feel that you know it's time because we're at a point in history where we're trying to have reparations and do right by all you know um people and all living things and so i feel we're in the same struggle and i feel the the same sense of a beautiful movement that we've seen in standing rock so we are here um gathering in a peaceful uh treaty um solidarity movement on on june 5th through the 8th and so you're asking people to sign up via your website and to um make arrangements to physically be there so it's, it's going to be part of uh, you know i'm assuming along some part of the route of the pipeline itself and and there might be the kinds of actions that we saw at standing rock taking place well you know there's um a website that people can follow if they really want to, you know, help us out. Even if you can't, you know, be here with your boots on the ground, there's so many different ways you can help. Um, but you could um, find out more about this gathering at treatypeoplegathering.com and you can sign a form to get registered and find out all the different ways you can help. So you can help from, you know, just cooking in camp. You can help, um, you know, being, you know, creating spaces, uh, during those actions. So the actions are going to be peaceful. They're going to be nonviolent. And yes, I see that um, there are going to be some similarities. We are going to, you know, uh, peacefully resist this pipeline. And we're calling on all of our allies across Turtle Island to come here to northern Minnesota and help support um, clean water in the future because uh, we're all dependent upon the water. So when people sign up for uh, joining you at this gathering, I'm assuming that the whole point is not just to express your resistance to the local authorities in Minnesota, but also the Biden administration, right? Can the president simply cancel this pipeline with a stroke of the pen or is there some longer process he, you think he needs to go through? No, I think it's just the stroke of a pen. And, um, you know, uh, we've seen, you know, Standing Rock and the, their legal, um, you know, challenges they had and how they had 
you know, one. And I feel too, not only should Biden stop line three, but he should really step in and hold these corporate giants um, responsible for the mess they're leaving here, us in, in this, you know, beautiful country of ours. And it's, it's just not fair that it seems, uh, you know, corporations are just buying their way through lobbying, you know, our politicians and, um, and buying their way through our, our beautiful um, landscape here. And it's, and, you know, another thing we can't forget about too, and not just Biden, it's the Walsh administration. Uh, Governor Walsh here in Minnesota um, kind of pledged his way through his campaign that there would be no line three. And um, it's kind of ironic because he has an executive order 19-24, where it's again, government to government. But how do you respectfully, um, you know, treat your tribal uh, or tribal nations here in Minnesota um, in a good way if you are forcing a pipeline down their throat? Because we know White Earth, Red Lake, and and Malak's reservation still have yet to have their day in court. But um, the Walsh administration uh, give Enbridge the green light back in December, uh, and so um, you know we can't let um, Governor Walsh off the hook here neither. President Biden did cancel the Keystone XL pipeline with a stroke of a pen. Uh, and it was something that President Obama did so late in his tenure that President Trump, following him, was able to undo that decision. Uh, presumably, the Keystone XL pipeline will remain canceled, and it remains to be seen what Mr. Biden will do on line three. But you mentioned that the issue of uh, legal rights. I mean, if there are treaty violations, is there some sort of lawsuit that's working its way through courts right now? Uh, yeah, and those are some of our, you know, uh, organizations such as Honor the Treaty and whatnot. And we, as uh, people of Minnesota Chippewa Tribe, we are also um, having another side of the resistance. It's within our own elected officials as chairman, secretary, treasurers, and representatives of each nation. And um, we have not had no free, prior, and informed consent um, on every on any level of government. So. Um, there is a violation of our Minnesota Chippewa Tribe Constitution as well, and not just a violation of the treaties. Now, when we talk about and when the president talks about and leaders like Governor Walsh talk about uh, renewable energy, climate friendly issues, solving the climate crisis, why don't they bring these pipelines into it? I mean, a pipeline that transports hundreds of thousands of barrels of dirty tar sands a day across the country in the short term, of course, presents the risks to the land and the water in the long term feeds the climate crisis. One would think that these pipelines, like, for example, coal power plants, um, canceling them would be a no-brainer. Why are they so attached to these pipelines? Is it just an issue of profits? It's Yes, exactly. It's like uh, profits over people. And we know it's, um, it's about power. It's about, you know, I hate to say it, but it's about the 1% who is really in charge of our, our government here. And it's like, again, I mentioned earlier, the the lobbying and the the payoffs it's it's everywhere so what we need to do you know we're really political in this movement as well and um i want to say that we have to get the dark money out of our um campaigns and we also have to work harder to get more of our native relatives and our like-minded allies um in local and state and government positions as well and we see that happening and we're really excited about you know what 2022 is going to bring and beyond because we're learning how to play that game and we're going to learn how to play it better
If the pipeline gets canceled and joins the ranks of Keystone, Excel, and, and other canceled pipelines, what's the next step? How do you uh, see ending these pipelines as part of uh, the movement, the indigenous-led movement for climate justice? How do you see it as part of justice for indigenous communities? Well, you know, it, well, one, it'll uh, honestly, if if we can be heard, we'll actually we'll have hope that there aren't better things to happen. And most importantly, we have to work on healthy relationships, despite the um, the differences that we might have. And we have to talk about, you know, the Green New Deal and and you know, scaling back on um, what we're doing because our disposable, convenient lifestyles are no longer working. So we have to think about how we can move forward in in a way that's, um, you know, um, um, environmentally and racially, um, you know, grounded based around treaty obligations because again treaties don't only protect us as native people they protect they protect the uh, people that signed those treaties with us and so if we ground ourselves in, in those kind of relationships i see a lot of good things happening and we see a lot of you know green um type of um companies you know coming to the forefront now and we're excited about that but we need to have those hard conversations and wean ourselves off of oil and move into a, a green new energy deal. And so a green new deal is part of a solution that you envision, you know, the canceling these pipeline projects it offers a stepping stone toward a vision like the green new deal. Right. You know, because, um, you know, we're not here trying to take anyone's um, job away from them. We're just trying to find a, a future that, you know, we all can imagine together and uh, the Green New Deal will actually create more long term jobs. And we don't talk about that enough, but these are um, not just like the pipeline where they're working for, you know, so many months out of the project and then they're done. And then there's only 21 permanent jobs left, you know, after the pipeline is put in. We're talking windmill maintenance and, you know, solar panel maintenance and all these good things. And, you know, people say, well, it takes oil to make that. But you know what? When you think about the emissions and the and the constant driving we do and, and the way we live, if we can minimize, that's a path forward. And I think we have to work on that together, regardless of where we come from or where we're going. We all need clean water and fresh air. And let me also ask you about Enbridge, this company that's uh, that, that's running Line 3 and would, you know, would basically be operating the Line 3 pipeline and building it. Um, this is a company that seems, uh, at least according to some reports, to be very happy to rely on law enforcement to break up any resistance. They've been caught, you know, seeking to influence law enforcement leadership positions. They are financing private um security firms reimbursing police for policing of these you know for protests that show up so it seems as though they are um prepared just as the dakota access pipeline um protesters saw violent police reaction i imagine that people protesting line three have seen and will see some police violence right you know that's exactly true and it's you know similar to um, you know, the violence that we see in, in Standing Rock. And I uh, reside here in Beltrami County in Minnesota. And uh, the, the current pipeline runs through this county. But when the new corridor, again, you know, people are, you know, misled by that. This is not a replacement. It's a, a new corridor that will run um, 
you know, run through over uh, 200, you know, bodies of water and it's going to cross go under the Mississippi twice and under Shell River five times. So this is a new corridor and it's actually leaving our county here. And but yet our county, um, Beltrami County, is supporting, you know, the line three um you know, build here, they're supporting Enbridge. And what's really, really disheartening is that this county is surrounded by White Earth, Red Lake, and Leech Lake, and all three tribes oppose that pipeline. And what's even further disheartening is that this county's economic prosperity is dependent upon those three tribal nations. And, you know, buying uh, batons and, and riot gear is not a way to treat your tribal neighboring nations, especially, you know, again, I mentioned earlier, uh, treaties intended for us to, to live in peace. And this is not um, what this pipeline is going to bring us. What about the fact that there is now an interior secretary like Deb Holland, who is a Native American indigenous activist who, in fact, was at Standing Rock as an activist, as an indigenous leader. It's the first time in the country's history that the position of interior secretary has been occupied by an indigenous person. Can her position, you know, have any influence over the future of this pipeline? You know, I, you know, that's a tough question to answer, but I, I would, you know, want to answer from my heart and believe that, you know, um, Deb will make a, um, a difference in um, moving, maybe, you know, maybe not um, in, in, in the immediate future here, but I think, you know, as we, we move along in this resistance and we give Deb Holland more support and we um, continue to call on Biden. I think, you know, I think what he needs to do himself is have that government to government relationship that he too promised. And he needs to start by engaging more with Ms. Holland and making sure um, there's some meaning um, into that executive order because this pipeline or any other pipeline um, threatens that existence. And we need to honor Ms. Holland for, for the good work, for the knowledge and for the um, experience that she brings to this cabinet. And I feel, you know, as indigenous people, that, that's one of the best times to, to take and have a good heart and listen and, and, and make something um, work for all of us. And I think, you know, Deb Holland is going to make, you know, some good things happen and we just, we have to keep supporting her. Um, and making sure that she is not being ignored as well. Nancy, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. I want to thank you for having me. And I also want to, you know, encourage, you know, people that are watching um, to come out and join us um, June 5th through 8th. And again, um, you can get signed up at the treaty people gathering.com um, and make sure that you help support um, the future and it belongs to um, those not even born yet. So we're just borrowing this this time here on earth and we have to be respectful about it. So again, um, no line three. My guest has been Nancy Bolio, co-founder of RISE, which stands for Resilient Indigenous Sisters Engaging Coalition. And she's also the Northern Minnesota organizer for 350.org. We've been discussing the June 5th through 8th Treaty People Gathering. And before we end this uh, story, I want to play a video featuring uh, Nancy Bolio herself, along with numerous other women Indigenous leaders who are inviting people from around the country to join them along the pipeline route of Line 3, June 5th through 8th. 
Bonjour, I'm Nancy Bolio and I'm the Northern Organizer for Minnesota 315, a co-founder of Rise Coalition. I am Bidwe Wigiju Gukwe Nandesha otherwise my English colonized name is Tanya Abid. Uh, my name is Tara Hauska. I'm Bear Clan from Kuchiching First Nation. My name is Everlasting Wind. I live here in White Earth and I'm a member of the Wolf Clan, Maingan. Anin, it's Winona Laduke, and we're going to invite you to the Treaty People Gathering. Taking place June 5th through the 8th. In 1854 and 1855, our people signed a treaty. And in those treaties, we, we re retained our inherent rights to hunt, fish, and gather. Climate change affects our treaty guarantee because that puts our Anishinaabe lifeways at risk. I am encouraging non-Native allies to come and check out what it means to be treaty people and to uphold your side of the treaty also. One out of three Indigenous women are, go raped, go missing, or end up murdered. And when infrastructure such as KXL, Line 3, Line 4, and Line 5 are built, there's a 22% increase to those statistics that we as Indigenous women are already facing. Here, you're not just being asked to come as a as a kind of like eco tourist, right? You're being asked to come and stand with the earth and to come and stand with us and to stand up for someone who's not yet here. Our ancestors made agreements to take care of this water and land forever together, and now is our time to do that. Together, we will rise, protect, and stop line three and protect all that is sacred. Miigwech. We look forward to seeing all of you on the front line. And you've been watching and listening to a short video from the website treatypeoplegathering.com, which you can also check out to find out more about the gathering that is to take place June 5th through 8th. I'm Sonali Kolhatkar. We're online at risingupwithsonali.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter. Also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at RU with Sonali.